welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. Lisa Ryan is a physiotherapist turned trauma-informed somatic practitioner who helps people find freedom from their persistent pain. And this is just so important to her because she was once a patient herself who was told she was not expected to recover and the best she could hope for was to manage symptoms with exercises and medication. But after a ton of research, she started to learn about the mind-body connection and the impact early childhood trauma may be playing into her symptoms. And this completely transformed her own life and how she now practices today. Well, welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Can you start us off by sort of going through what happened to you? Because my understanding is that you were training to be a physiotherapist, started working for the NHS, had big ambitions wanting to work as a sports physio with the Welsh rugby team when your plans kind of got thwarted by some unexplainable strange symptoms that doctors initially thought might be panic attacks and I guess you were left without a clear route to recovery Mm -hmm. tell me tell me tell me a little bit more yeah, so it started, my symptoms started a little bit before uni, so kind of in teenage years, um, very, very early 20s. And they were they were basically symptoms of anxiety. So I was feeling that panic, I was feeling stress when things weren't really that stressful around me. And yeah, I was just super, super tired and not really motivated or didn't have that kind of zest for life I guess um and so I did have all the sort of cardiology assessments and it was always coming back as you probably have anxiety you probably you know got a panic disorder and you know try and be you know try and find ways to reduce that try and reduce your stress levels etc and yeah I mean I guess I wasn't really given that many tools at the time and then I started working so I was working in the NHS and again just the symptoms were coming up all the time I was going into work just feeling really really sick I was feeling really anxious I I thought I was gonna you know just let everyone down all the time it was just this feeling of doom um on a regular basis and yeah, just not being able to cope. And then I would, I would have to have a bit of time off and I'd go back in and nothing really was changing. And my brother actually was the one that introduced me to somatic therapy because um, I'd had counselling in the past and I'd talked about things, but I just felt like the talking element was just sort of rehashing um, you know, stuff that had happened. I didn't feel like it was benefiting me that, that much. 
<laughs> obviously it's different for everyone but for me at the time it wasn't um super helpful so yeah I started somatic therapy um I went to see someone who was doing um somatic experiencing which I remember at the time thinking even that title in itself <laughs> I don't know how much I'm you know gonna benefit from this anyway um started therapy and it was just it it was one of those cliched moments of you know this is completely life-changing because my body is actually being listened to here um so for example from a somatic therapy point of view it is it's all about the mind-body connection can you talk me through what somatic experiencing um is yeah, yeah. So it was founded by um, this guy called Peter Levine. And his thought process at the time was that if you look at animals in the wild, if they've been under stress for whatever reason, so if they've been chased by you know another animal or whatnot, if you observe them, they tend to, sorry, once the threat is over and they're now in a safe place, they tend to, um, their, their body tends to shake and it's like they're discharging all that stress energy. And then they go back to this rest and digested state and they just, yeah, basically just roam around and, you know, mooch about with, uh, with their friend, friends and family as well. From a human perspective, what he was then observing is that we don't necessarily finish those stress or survival motor responses. So to give you an example um, of a motor response, that a survival motor response that may not have been completed, if you're in a car accident um, and you basically, you have that impact, but you can't necessarily run away from what's just happened because you're injured, because you're stuck in the in the chair, the seat belts across you, the... Um, the uh, what's it called the <laughs> airbag um, airbag is also in your face as well so you're stuck in one place and there's no way to run away from the stressful incident or fight the stressful incident so essentially you can you're basically sitting there with all this survival energy and it can't really go anywhere because you're stuck so when people if people if people have had a car accident and they might have symptoms of a whiplash, yes, they mechanically, that neck pain and the whiplash, it, it's happened and um, that's an injury to, you know, to be assessed and treated. But also from a sort of mind-body point of view as well, they might be struggling way after the whiplash has actually um, healed and potentially they have all that stress energy that has still been stuck within them and therefore they may still have pain in their neck even though the injury is is better but that that's kind of an example of of, of trapped energy survival energy and I, and you know you, you mentioned a car accident as an example there but there's so many examples that we could use here mm. and as children we don't have <laughs> the same degree of autonomy mm -hmm. as we do as adults and so we learn um to 
if we're in dangerous situations, we learn to fight, fight or fle- freeze or even fawn. And that trapped energy also for, you know, ca- can lead to symptoms later on in life. And we know this from ACE studies, so adverse childhood event studies, that correlate, and we don't have causation yet, but they do correlate very stressful, traumatic childhood events. And we're talking big T traumas. You yeah. know, we're talking yeah. about um <coughs> talking about abuse, neglect, um and various others, um, domestic violence. Um we're talking about these traumatic events having significant impacts or a strong correlation to both physical health outcomes and mental health outcomes later in life. Can you explain then how somatic experiencing in particular helps you, like talk me through a session that will allow me to discharge or um, process this stuck survival energy, as you call it? Yeah. So (coughs) most people um, come to me, I would say 99.99% of people come to me and they are in a state of high alert, even if they don't realize that they are. So the story of me when I was younger, I was in complete state of high alert. I just didn't realize I was. And that's why I was fighting the diagnosis of anxiety. Because it's like, well, it can't be. It's something's wrong with my heart. Digressing a little bit, but so just to give you the context of someone who is in front of me, they're likely to be in a state of high alert. The what you want to address is the the nervous system dysregulation where because the nervous system has I guess become hypersensitive to sensations to the environment to anything that's outside of them or within them so we talk a lot about perceived um threats within that person's um environment whether that's within them or outside of them to start with not too much because at the same time it's just creating that comfortable safe environment as well so we don't go too much into the trauma to start with um and to help with the regulation the nervous system regulation is something that we call pendulation so you might have quite a few practices where it's people really enjoy having that sort of cathartic release of emotions or sensations but with somatic experiencing it's a little bit different because you're pendulating between something or a sensation that feels pretty uncomfortable but with a sensation that actually feels relatively comfortable so you're just gently swinging from both because you want the nervous system to feel what's uncomfortable, I sit there, experience the difficult sensation, but being able to resort quite nicely back to a sensation that feels okay. So that then the the release you're getting from experiencing the difficult sensation doesn't feel threatening or at least feels less life-threatening to the nervous system if that makes sense. (laughs) 
So someone might remember a traumatic experience and then we go back to the body and we start to, we basically sit there with the sensation, but we allow for that person to experience that sensation with the support of sensations that we've established maybe at the beginning of the session that feels relatively comfortable. So in the end, or at least after a few sessions, the objective is that that person is able to be with the uncomfortable sensations and not having to rely too much on the comfortable sensations to, to sort of support that. So, yeah, the end goal in a way is whatever uncomfortable sensations, whether that's pain, panic, whatever discomfort they're feeling, can be sat with and can be processed without needing to suppress them and without needing to sort of push them down because they're too scary to feel. So it's got to feel it to heal it. Absolutely. And it's it's not necessarily about helping someone to just be calm all the time. That's definitely not the the goal. It's to be able to increase that resilience to deal with the stressful environment the stressful incident or the stressful situation um and yeah being able to deal with it in a way that they feel that stress and that survival response but then they're able to sort of come down from it and release it so that that survival energy doesn't necessarily get stuck and yeah accumulate in the long term I'm really hearing that you're trying to build, build, increase the window of tolerance for mm-hmm. discomfort and allow a more flexible emotional range, both within the mind but also within the body. Because actually, the the, the dangerous part of a stressful experiencing is a stressful experience is not the experiencing; it's the suppression. Yes. of the experience yeah. and that will automatically occur in the body from a subconscious point of view because when something's super uncomfortable your body wants to protect you from it absolutely and will shut that down and so it numbs you out to the experience and um, you often forget traumatic experiences yeah. Yeah. from the conscious mind um so your body's got all these incredible nifty ways of protecting you from the full range, the full um, the full range of that strong emotion, um, which may well have been necessary when you were younger, but as an adult, if that's not fully allowed to express itself, um, that the suppression itself is what is what's causing the problem. So, what the mind suppresses, the the body expresses. That's the one, yeah. And so, super interesting. I mean, uh, if we if we take another example, like the emotion of anger, especially as women, um, I like to highlight that as well. Where you know, if if I'm really angry about something, and I am in public, I'm not. I've I've never had good skills in being able to express that anger you know, because I've got my side of things, which is very sort of appeasing to a situation. But I still had that anger. So what I would do in that situation is, okay, you, you, you sort of, sorry, (laughs) my voice just fell. Um, You sort of 
survive that incident um, and I say survive you know it, it not necessarily doesn't have to be a life-threatening incident but you sort of you deal with it and then you potentially walk away but it's the walking away and going to a safer space i.e if that's a bathroom or you know wherever you can go and being able to shake that off or being able to do a somatic technique that allows for you to actually feel that anger so yes you didn't express it right there and then but the survival energy and especially the the sensations of anger can be processed and then it just it you feel it you feel that expansion back in your body you feel that lightness because it just came out um so yeah it's it's things like that we're always going to come up and face very very stressful situations um through our life and it's just you know if we can not even manage it if we can just yeah like you say allow it for it to be expressed in a way that supports us then yeah that it, it, it can be so so helpful hugely helpful it, it. It can. I, I'm. I'm really taken to my experiences with plant medicine because, I guess, in a situation whereby inhibitions are taken away and you're guided into your body, it's experiences like that that I think um, have a big role to play within the therapeutic, um, the therapeutic kind of um, hypotheses that they work within. It allows you to process unprocessed stuck feelings that you just don't want to visit and you mentioned anger you know and and having difficulty expressing anger in 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 public but I would actually even argue that it's difficult for us to express anger in private um because we just don't we haven't learned how to um express um anger is a very good example but like even you know um sadness even um so-called you know negative emotions depending mm. on our family cultures we may not have been allowed to express them because they were not tolerated by our own parents and so mm. the shutting down of the expression of just sort of big feelings means that not only can we not process them as adults in public or private even express them within ourselves we can be in such denial around feeling any anger like I'm not angry but it always comes out sideways you know whether that's through passive aggression yeah. <laughs> or um sideways also being experienced in the body so like having symptoms um mm -hmm. having chest pains having headaches having um headaches so these are symptoms that may indeed reflect um suppressed emotions that we make complete <clears throat> denial of ourselves. And that is, you touched on it before, but that is a problem in particularly um, any um, or primary care settings with just being able to probe at because by a doctor saying, I think this is anxiety or I think this is actually emotional, um, patients are often in denial of that and are just not, not even consciously in denial of it, just, have never yeah yeah have never considered never um never um uh been told that was a possibility and in fact when it's told to them feels like 
dismissal and actually feels insulting. So it can be really difficult to broach that um, with with patients that I see. However, sometimes it's it it sometimes if if you get to to scratch the surface, um, I've had patients sort of start to to cry, um, you know, and that's again a, a beautiful um, discharge of emotion and discharge of energy. Um, and in the ayahuasca space, you know, that would be classed as a purge. And the, as, as as the vomiting would be classed as a purge, a way to discharge um, stuck, stressful survival energy um, that you've been keeping in your body. And in fact, is super cleansing when you find a means of getting rid of it. Absolutely. And and then you, the flip side to that is the the difficulty with expressing what we would class as positive emotions, like something like I don't know joy. Maybe I I see a lot of people who, you know, the 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 positive side of things. So feeling calm, feeling joy, feeling connection, can actually be really really quite scary. Not that it's a conscious thought because, you know, the brain can logically, it, it realizes that joy and all of those, the, the good stuff is is safe and wonderful. But actually, if it's not familiar for that person, and especially if they haven't grown up with any of those, um, or at least very minimal, um, I, I hate to say positive and negative, but at least we've got an, <laughs> an understanding of what that is. But yeah, so the... The, the difficulty with maybe expressing joy because they've progressed really well or they've reached a goal, if if that's a difficult emotion to express, you can imagine that level of constriction that is still there. That's just, you know, we want to tease out that joy because, A, it's okay for you to feel joy, especially now as an adult where you have free will and free, you know, you've got choices that you can make. Um, but it's it's just yeah. I just wanted to point that out as well. That the what we'd class as the the positives can can be really really tricky and really difficult to express. Um, which even, keeps that body even to ourselves, even to ourselves. And I I sort of had a personal experience of really um, noticing that I was curbing um, the feeling of excitement. Um, because I later understood that if I, I guess my, my logical brain was sort of working in some way to try and protect me from disappointment. And so I was curbing my feeling of excitement to subconsciously control my feeling of disappointment but it meant that I just was actually blocking myself off or numbing myself to feeling to feeling full excitement. Um, and so that's a great example of, yeah, just curbing, curbing strong. I think, I think it's strong emotion of any kind. And, and I guess from a somatic experiencing perspective, as much as it's, yes, it's about processing trauma, it's about releasing, you know, all that survival energy and it's about being able to be with the difficult sensations so much of it is about being with the good sensations because especially from a chronic pain perspective it's very very difficult to feel 
okay in your body or at least trusting your body when it just feels like it's letting you down all the time and as much as we can say you know if you just focus on something good that will distract you from the pain it's not necessarily that simple like it's it's honoring the fact that the focus is on pain because it's painful and it's very very difficult to get away from that but it's also just working from a somatic point of view of the the nice feeling the excited feeling the I don't know the the happiness even if it's and I work in percentages quite often but even if it's one to two percent of this feeling something you know that feels okay in the body um can be a really helpful tool to not in a way to distract from the pain, but to just be able to feel that something could actually feel quite okay. Um, and that's that pendulation between, you know, what would class is really uncomfortable to, to the more comfortable. Um, and I think the more I'm doing this work, the more, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about toxic positivity or anything, because that's a whole... <laughs> all of the thing in itself but it's giving space to people and holding that space for them to actually connect with things that feel okay and that you know the sensations that don't feel so scary increasing the range um Absolutely. and sort of like opening doors that may not have been experienced or um just knowing that that that, that experience is within them as well um so to so increasing the range yeah, that's so interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't understood somatic experiencing in that way. Can you tell me, you know, so you're 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 working with people to sort of build a degree of trust and safety within their body and build up a range of emotions or a range of sensations that the person is able to feel. Um, which may have just been quite fixed prior to that. Can you give me an example of someone that this has worked really well with? Um, in the with with chronic pain, I guess I'm really drawn to 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 hear a story of of someone that really benefited. So frozen shoulder is a really interesting one. Appreciate, you know, there's a lot to that mechanically as well but I've had a couple of people where they there was one lady who really struggled during childhood where there was quite a lot of domestic violence um but obviously as a child you're either trying to appease a situation or you make yourself invisible so that you're not um, in this firing line I guess but a lot of her protective mechanism was one needing to shield and I, a bit of a trigger warning here, but that shielding, especially how our muscles, joints, ligaments, everything works into that protective um, shielding because there was no actual follow through with her potentially hitting the perpetrator back because she's a child what we kind of explored and discovered that actually at the time there was a lot that she wanted to do to to defend herself but 
she couldn't for obvious reasons and she just always had issues with her shoulders and um, frozen shoulders really kind of quite terrified about moving her her upper limbs as well because it was just causing pain so we did end up processing quite a bit and and completed some motor sequencing physical motor sequencing and the expansion and the release she got from the shoulders was just incredible because you know you you see the the somatic experts all doing it you see you read it in the books and the notebooks and whatnot but to actually see that this person's had 20 25 years worth of shoulder pain for it to just release because she was given a safe space to be able to do the movements that she probably wanted to have done in those situations so yeah it, it's fascinating but she she managed to do the whole the, somatically experience things and we never went into the trauma in itself we just worked with what is your body trying to express in this session and what is it wanting to do in this session so yeah that's <laughs> that's an example where it's she just it just unstuck in a way and yeah that's so interesting I would never have thought that frozen shoulder could could relate to an emotional release in some ways because for us in, in the medical community a frozen shoulders is a very mechanical yeah yeah um physical kind of um consequence of wear and tear around the tendons and ligaments within the shoulder however the thing is that pain um is so subjective and is emotional pain and physical pain is experienced and processed the same um within the body the body cannot recognize the difference and there's going to be so many people who have wear and tear in their shoulders and will never experience pain from that or yeah. symptoms of a frozen shoulder but there will be a percentage of patients who do and we don't necessarily know why some people do experience pain and some people don't and this is also the same with slip discs in the lower back um some people will not experience any pain um and some people will experience um, debilitating pain and i guess it's working out why that that person's pathway has pain pathway has been triggered with the same physical um presentation um and some people won't and I guess what you're showing me or telling me is that actually because there there's no physical difference between these patients there may in fact be an emotional element that is stuck within this person's body expressing itself as pain and a route to perhaps go down is somatic experiencing to see if there is emotion that is behind that pain that may be able to be processed and released yeah absolutely and yeah and the the frozen shoulder example you know there 
exactly like you say that that mechanically that's you know it's a ticking box exercise as well of well this is happening that's happening and you know from an assessment point of view that's the diagnosis we're going to give you but actually what this lady has was just very reduced movement but also that the the stuck feeling um but in a way the stuckness was just how that shoulder just had to stay where it was because actually keeping that shoulder down was going to help her in the long run but as an adult it just wasn't it wasn't serving her anymore so yeah it's it's really really interesting what kind of diagnosis has come through the door mm. can you give me some other examples of common presentations that you that you deal with because you're in quite a unique position being a physiotherapist to so being very well trained and well versed on the mechanics of the joint so being and and of and have a good understanding of the diagnostic um criteria from all mst um musculoskeletal uh diagnoses but with this added piece of somatic experiencing, I guess you can just take it that one step further and start to explore whether or not there are emotions, um, deep-rooted emotions that are also contributing to the degree of pain that that person is experiencing with that joint, limb, um, uh, neck. Can you tell me, yeah, what what kind of common presentations do you see in your practice? Um, so it's mostly it goes between lower back, lower back pain and um, jaw pain as well. So TMJs, um, and they're probably the most common. Um, and yeah, they absolutely do come through the door with bulging discs, um, potentially you know discs that that have shrunk. Um, uh, they might have, you know, neurological symptoms as well, sciatic nerve irritation. They'll have all the mechanical stuff going on. Um, but the fact that they're not getting better through just exercising and, you know, strengthening and loading and all the rest of it, there, there tends to be a huge element of fear of movement. And, and understandable, you know, you get given an x-ray result of this and this and this and this and this is wrong with you you're going to feel a lot of fear about your lower back because actually what you're seeing on an x-ray mri or a report is that your back is essentially crumbling and then you've got someone like me saying well you know not necessarily because we can build your back back up, but actually the foundations is what we want to work on. Because for as long as you have this fear within you, fear of movement, fear of not getting better, whatever fear that's going on, you can do all the stretches, all the exercises in the world. But if you're coming from a place of fear, then your body will continue to be in quite a state of high alert and therefore continue to produce all the the pain um signals so yeah I tend to work with creating the foundations of supporting that person to find or not to find but to feel that sense of safety within their body 
to then be able to progress in a way that they don't fear every movement, they don't fear every stretch, or they don't fear what we call in physio loading, so strengthening and you know progressing through strength work. And that can make a whole pile of difference because they're not coming from a, from a place of fear anymore, and therefore the pain signals has reduced just from doing that. And also explaining, you, you, like you'd said, you know, you can have all these different things that they've seen in an x-ray and an MRI, but so could the person next door have exactly the same and have no pain and no kind of fear of movement. So it's... We're, the, this, fascinating, this fascinating, fairly recent evidence to show that there's not a correlation with disc bulging and pain. So I think we have traditionally thought that a bulging disc, disc is the cause of the pain. And actually, we now understand that it is not um, often the cause of pain. Many people will have disc bulges and not ever know that they've got them and not have experienced any pain at all. But someone, but there will be a, a group who are normally the ones who've been imaged, which is why we then see this correlation. But in fact, we, I think we've there's, there's, you know, clear evidence that there's not a causation between bulging discs and lower back pain, but that is that is very much the common um, understanding of it that's still yeah. out there. And so that's exactly what you're saying. We, you know, we, we, we think that it's because of this physical um, uh, scan result that we've got this pain, but it's often not necessarily relating to that. And there may be something else that's going on that's perpetuating this chronic pain cycle that may have an emotional component to it and I guess what you're bringing to the table is um the skills um that uh you've you've learned to be able to allow that to be explored within uh a physio session which is really yeah really unique and um I think a really complete and very holistic um approach which I really love to hear but I do have a question. I managed to get a question for for you from the community, and and this is such a such a question that I think so many people who suffer with um, chronic pain really want the answer to. So personally, I might not use the word healing or fixing myself, just because pain pain needs to be experienced. It is so important for our survival to feel pain. It, and it is part of our survival mechanism. Therefore, it's not about getting rid of pain altogether. It's being able to listen to the pain, being able to sit with it and see, you know, what is going on for me today or has been going on for the past weeks, months, years where I am feeling this pain. Am I sleeping terribly? Am I, you know, different reasons? I'm more dehydrated than usual. Have I maybe not been in contact with one of my friends for some time? Am I having lots of arguments with my partner? So we could call them flare-ups, relapses, but we could also call it, you know, the messages from the body. Um, so I, I try and stay away from the sort of fixing chronic pain, but more so of reducing symptoms of persistent pain. So when pain does come up again, um, whether that can be 
supported in a way that is um you know helpful to I guess it's the messaging side of it so it's if that person is feeling pain do they maybe need to rest more do they need to move more do they need someone do they need you know to ask someone for some help to do something so the the flare-ups and the relapses could be looked at more of a sort of a communication um from sort of I don't know how to word it but like a sensation message so that it just basically informs their day-to-day um, and then with that, what tends to happen is the nervous system does become less sensitive and less on high alert. And therefore, the actual kind of day to day of having chronic pain reduces, but not necessarily the aim isn't necessarily to get rid of pain altogether, because actually feeling pain can be quite useful in a lot of circumstances. Mm. But again, not to minimise, you know, what the experience of pain can can do for someone each day. And they can they can find themselves in such a vicious cycle because they can't sleep well because of pain, and then they're absolutely the night circuit yeah. cycle is, is out of whack. So this can, this is a process, and yeah. there is hope. Um, there is there is hope, and I, I believe that you know you run a program, Lisa. Can you tell us a bit more about the program that you run for people with persistent persistent pain yeah so I've got an online course it is a go at your own pace course so people can start it whenever take as long as they need and it's just something that they can work through um so there's 10 lessons um and then there's a video of me yeah just basically giving a lesson hopefully not too (laughs) not too boring but an insightful insightful lesson on that topic and then there's options to, yeah, to be able to reflect a little bit, be able to kind of journal a bit. And then there's different resources um, and techniques. And, yeah, it's just to get a bigger picture of the, the pain experience, really, so that hopefully by the end of it, you are feeling a lot more freer from chronic pain and potentially come, uh, overcome chronic pain altogether. Um, I, I do want to just mention one quick example. I had a lady that went through, did the course, and it didn't necessarily get rid of the actual chronic pain, persistent pain. But what it helped her was identify that actually, um, I'm really struggling with caring for my elderly mother. And that comes, that sort of, you know generates a lot of stress and anxiety but then once she kind of saw that the more stress she was experiencing because of the the caring role the more her pain would worsen so she knows that this issue isn't going to go away you know it's not it's not going to go away anytime soon therefore she could see that yes I have a stressful thing that's going on um, but if I can support myself better or ask for, for some more help, I can see that that actually reduces my pain. And therefore, she felt like she had a lot of freedom from persistent pain because it was 
in a way, a way to sort of say, okay, mechanically there could be this, that, and this going on. But what is making your pain worse is this stressful situation. And there are many things we can't change. You know, there's there's a lot of non-negotiables, as I call them, in life. But she feels a lot free freer now because, yeah, she's she had that sort of reflection on what is making her pain much worse. Mm, really helped to join the dots there. And then when when identifying sort of a trigger a trigger factor for her, then give offers some options on on how she can reduce reduce that pain burden um when it when it when it when it worsens that's really interesting and so you 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 have this pay at uh uh pace yourself course and like a new work um one-to-one online um don't you with 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 all of your clients yeah yeah it's 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 all online um which is yeah, it's. I've just been really fortunate because this kind of work can be done online and people can just be in their own homes, get comfy, get those pillows, blankets, candles, whatever they need to <laughs> feel feel nicely settled. Um, and now and again, I do masterclasses and workshops as well. So I've got um, I've got a new masterclass that's starting on in October um, called. Create, uh, sorry, cultivating an inner safety to reduce pain. So it's a four four part masterclass, and it's just yeah, it's it's talking about why safety is literally the intervention um, to support someone who is feeling uh, persistent pain, and yeah, just learning tools and reflecting a little bit on how bring in a bit more inner safety can support the experience of pain as well so that hopefully that can be quite helpful for mm. I'll put all the details of that down in the show notes if you send me them um yeah. Lisa then I'll put them on the show notes um so how can people how can people find you um so I have a website www.lisaryanphysiotherapy.com um and then I'm on Instagram as well and that's at Lisa Ryan physio yeah 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 great super well thank you so much for um coming to talk to me about um somatic experiencing today I um I'm so much clearer and my mind was worrying at all the patients that I've seen over the years um presenting with musculoskeletal um pain that I, I hadn't previously considered um, there to be an emotional element um, to. And so knowing that there's a physiotherapy that um, physiotherapist who considers that as a possibility and then has the tools to be able to work not only physically but from a but from a mind body perspective as well is really great to know and especially that you work on online means that um, it's so much more accessible to 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 someone who's really been struggling for quite a while as many of these patients with chronic pain have been so thank you so much for joining the dots for yourself and then using that to share um, your insights with others and um, yeah I'll put all of the details to Lisa's um, information on the show notes so make sure you check them out as well thank you so much for coming um coming on to the podcast today Lisa thank you thank you so much and just one very quick thing um 
all pain is real. I just want to highlight that, you know, with how people feel quite dismissed from a pain perspective. I I hear you, I see you, pain is real, you know, let's let's explore it as opposed to dismiss it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, pain is real. It's super difficult to work with. Emotional or physical, the body doesn't know the difference. It feels exactly the same. Let's let's work with that as a as a whole. And that's why I really love your work, Lisa. You really consider the body and the mind and the soul. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening, Body Mind Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.